Dear listener, please note that this podcast is recorded during COVID-19 where we can't get into the studio and give you the quality that you are accustomed to. For any changes in quality, we ask for your apology. Hello and welcome to What's Love, the podcast. This is a podcast series brought to you by Zanga Zirugel and in collaboration with the Soul City Institute for Social Justice. Hi everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of What's Love, the podcast. It's so great um, being with you again today. And like always, we have uh, one topic that divides uh, the country, um, a topic that puts many people in a spin. Uh, you wouldn't even think that the topic we are going to talk about is about a medical procedure. But before I tell you what the topic is, take a listen. Hi. I am a 29-year-old qualified working professional who about a year ago now had an abortion. I fell pregnant by a man I was having casual sex with and initially when I found out was scared because that wasn't part of the plan. But soon after finding out, had romanticized the idea of being a parent and the idea of being with this man um, and raising this child together. He decided he was going to support whatever decision I made, but I quickly realized that he too was also very scared and in fact did not want to do this with me and just in general did not want to be a parent yet. So I made the decision to not carry on with the pregnancy. Um, I got a reputable hospital. I will, did the process with, did the procedure rather with my gynecologist. I was treated with the utmost respect in the hospital by the nurses, by the doctors, and felt safe, felt safe and felt respected. Um, why did I decide to go through with the abortion? I didn't want to be a single parent. Um, I quickly realized that chances are a good 90% of the time I would be all alone and I would be raising this child alone. I already have a few friends who are single parents and my goodness, it is the toughest thing (laughs) to, to possibly do at a young age as a female. You're trying to navigate this workplace as well. Um, there's too much pressure. There's there's too much on your shoulders for you to raise this child alone. I didn't want the stress. I I don't want the sleepless nights. I um I also would have loved to raise a child in a household with the mother and father. I know that's very old school considering the times that we live in, but that's how I was raised. And that's what I would want for my children. Um, I don't think I had the the strength. I don't think I had the, the capacity to be a single parent. 
I don't want the up and down of having to call someone and remind them that they need to parent as well or remind the person that I need help as well. And um, yeah, I chose otherwise. I chose to not put myself under that kind of strain and put myself under that kind of um, that kind of pressure. Uh, secondly, over and above being a single parent, just being a parent in general did not align with the plans that I had made for my life. I mean, still uh, working and still trying to forge a a career in this profession that I've chosen and supporting my family, there really was no room for this other life. And I, I firmly stand by the decision I've made and rewind a year ago would would definitely have made the same decision again i'm a firm believer in self-determination and exercising your right to choice now let's talk about any traumas any perceived traumas that you have going into the procedure and what you actually experience post procedure naturally maybe not naturally most of us are are traumatized by some of the horror stories we've heard and um, how some women can never get over what was done and see children in public and you know they have they have this um, shock reaction you know and they they regret what they did and they're sad and then they're traumatized by all these young lives that they're seeing around them and that wasn't the case for me um having an abortion is a difficult decision to make when you had planned to have a child right as previously mentioned it wasn't my plan um and it was my first pregnancy also um so it it, it was never something i wanted at that age and with the person that i had created this life with uh, so it wasn't a difficult decision to make. Yes, quite a few things had to be considered. And because I made a really considered decision, I I don't suffer from that trauma. I don't suffer from that regret. <laughs> Many more of my children have since gone on to have their own kids. And I'm, I'm not paralyzed when I see the kids. And I, and I don't go into shock when I see the kids and, you know, blackouts and experience this dark dark feelings and dark dark emotions um, because I really don't associate the, the decision I made with any kind of regrets or any kind of darkness um, so yeah no no emotional trauma, no psychological trauma on my half and also no physical trauma because I I did it the right way yes, that's my, that's my story on abortion Yes, I told you, it is a topic that uh, normally divides us. You follow social media, you look at every church, uh, even in families, abortion is a highly stigmatized medical condition. And today to unpack this topic, I am joined by Tineko Mbenze, my legal eagle. How are you, Tineko? Hi, Lebu. I am doing fine on this uh, wonderful day. Um, really excited to delve into this topic. And how are you? I am great. I am great. Thank you. Thank you for, for always being here. And we, we, we also are joined by an, a medical expert, 
Dr. Mahwale Makwenchu. Good day, doctor, and thank you so much for joining us. Good day, Lebo. I'm delighted to join this group on this very, very important topic that we're going to discuss, especially during the, the, the month of August, the, which is the Women's Month. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to start with you, doctor, because I think before we unpack what we heard, I want us to just go back to the beginning. Yes. And say, from your experience, why do women seek abortions? And maybe even as you answer that, you need to tell us about your organization, IPES, what it does, and then tell us in your experience, why do women seek abortions? Okay. Thanks, uh, Lebo. Uh, briefly, I work for a non-governmental, non-profit-making uh, organization called IPAS. IPAS works in collaboration with the National Department of Health and all the nine provinces in making sure that women and young girls are empowered to use contraceptives if and when they choose to, and also to make sure that if and when they decide to terminate the pregnancy, it is done in a safe environment. That's in brief what we are doing at IPAS, educating communities about their rights, about their sexual reproductive health and rights, and how to use contraceptives. And when they opt to terminate the pregnancy, then they do it the safe way. Your question was, why do women terminate pregnancy? Yes. Women terminate pregnancy for a variety of reasons. One of them being the socioeconomic status. If a woman is unable socially, economically, to continue with the pregnancy and support the child that she's going to give birth to, then women have this option of terminating pregnancy. We are all aware of the socioeconomic status of our women and young girls, and, and actually most uh, some of the South Africans, that they cannot afford to feed an extra mouth. So that being one of the reasons. The second reason is women choose to opt for termination of pregnancy because they would have been raped or incest. If I can just give an example, that right now in the COVID-19 restrictions, we have heard of several cases of uh, gender-based violence. And most of the people that are violated against are young women, vulnerable women, vulnerable girls. And in the process of being raped, they find themselves being pregnant and the pregnancy definitely being unwanted. And as such, they then choose to terminate pregnancy. Another reason why they terminate pregnancy is because they would be sick. They would have uh, diseases that would complicate if they were to continue with unwanted pregnancy. If, for instance, a woman has an uncontrolled um, high blood pressure, hypertension, and doctor is of the opinion that if the woman continues with this pregnancy, it would definitely have a negative impact on, on her life then the doctor will then, if he's of that opinion, will terminate pregnancy. Um, the last one that I'm going to cite is if they are carrying a, a, a fetus with a, 
abnormalities that will not allow the fetus to survive very well outside the, the uterine cavity. So yeah, these are the some of the many reasons why women terminate pregnancy. Thank you so much, Dr. Makwenju. And I think what I am very happy about is that you are just also giving us a broad picture of the different women who seek termination and the different reasons that they have. And for me, it was important for us to start with a positive experience because exactly of what the voice uh, we, we, we heard um, uh, said, that for many women who find themselves pregnant and are exploring their options, the first things you, you hear in your head is the judgment, is yeah. stigma, is the scary stories of, you know, uh, that baby's soul is going to be following you everywhere. You know, uh, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I often remind people that, guys, this is a medical procedure. There are times where women can be pregnant and the pregnancy self-aborts without even you knowing that you are pregnant. You know, we have highly stigmatized a medical procedure. And therefore, it leads to my second question to you. What are the benefits of legalizing termination of pregnancy? Because there's always been termination of pregnancy. I can tell stories of doctors that I knew when I was a young woman who would perform a termination of pregnancy even before it became legal. Just... Give us a sense of what are the benefits of legalizing termination of pregnancy. I think you did say why IPAS gives the information. It's about safety, but what are yes. the benefits? One, one of the very benefits level is the very safety. That if and when a woman undergoes a legal termination of pregnancy, that termination is going to be safe safe to a physical status, safe to a mental status, safe to a psychological status, safe holistically. And the reason why it is safe is simply because the, the, the cadres that are going to terminate that pregnancy would have been trained, would have followed an accepted curriculum. And that curriculum would have taught them about evidence-based materials and strategies on how to terminate the pregnancy. That's number one, safety. And it is also safe because the, 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 the cadres respect the women's human rights. They treat them with dignity because treating people with dignity is one of the, the human rights uh, that the, the Constitution is, uh, is, is talking to. The women will also get uh, contraceptives because if after terminating the pregnancy, a woman would then be given information of how to prevent unwanted pregnancy in the future. And the woman would still have a choice on choosing a contraceptive method that suits her needs. It will also be safe because it will be conducted in an environment that meets the minimum um, hygiene standards. In South Africa, we do have uh, facilities that are designated to provide uh, termination of pregnancy. And the designation criteria alludes to the safety of, uh, safety of the termination of pregnancy. 
If in cases where a woman experienced a complication, the woman would then be referred to a higher institution where her needs are going to, medical needs are going to be met. Um, she's also given information, information on what to do if she experiences some side effects, where to go when she experiences uh, warning signs. The whole thing is, is, is addressed in a, in a comprehensive manner, making it safe. I'm glad you spoke about the human rights of women, because often when we speak about women, we almost speak about them as these carriers of children, almost like a factory who don't have rights. Whenever you hear people advance an argument, they will advance an argument that almost wants to say the woman doesn't have rights. They talk about a fetus as a human being. They use all forms of religious arguments. And I will ask you these questions before, but I do know that one of the biggest benefits when a termination of pregnancy was made legal in South Africa is that the number of women who died from what we deem illegal or backstreet abortions reduced. And I think part of the problem right now, I'm happy to hear that IPES works with government, is that with this whole issue of so-called conscientious uh, objection, and I call it, I'll, I'll, I'll explain later why I call it so-called conscientious objection, is that when women are denied the right to terminate a pregnancy at a facility, it does not stop the termination. So women have always terminated their pregnancy. The only difference is, you know, where they go. And you see right now all over city centers, even in rural areas, on street poles, some of these adverts uh, where women, because of the stigma and not being able to exercise their right to access to a very safe medical procedure, they will go to. Now, tell us a little bit about those cases, about women who, who for many reasons, including the the clinics and hospitals who will refuse to give them the procedure, the stigma that they face. What are some of the dangers of going for illegal and unsafe uh, termination pregnancies? Not pregnancies, but uh, termination of pregnancy. Oh, the, the dangers are inhumane. The dangers are huge. One of the dangers is that a woman can simply lose her life. And we are saying that one life, one woman's death is one death too many. The people that are conducting unsafe abortion are, of course, not trained. They are not using evidence-based protocols and material. They are not conducting it in a designated uh, facilities. They are not being supervised. They don't follow or they don't work according to the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act. And as such, they, they expose the woman to these horrible complications. One of them, as I said, a woman can die. And we know what happens when a woman dies. The family suffers. The death of one woman has huge impacts on the society. Some women lose hemorrhage, lose a lot of blood. And we all know the functions of blood in the body. 
So if a woman loses blood, what's going to happen to her health status? Some women end up with infection because the material that the unscrupulous providers are using to terminate pregnancy is not in is not safe. They some use hangers, some use uh, some concoctions, and the woman can end up with infection. And the infected, uh, if the infection is is in a woman's uh, system, she can end up uh, losing her uterus or her womb. And and because she would have lost the the uterus, the womb, she may not be able to to carry the pregnancy in future when she chooses to. By the way, when a woman terminates pregnancy, it does not mean that she doesn't want to fall pregnant. It may just mean that at this point in time, she's not ready to bring um, a, 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 a human being into this world. The other complications are psychological, uh, emotional. Uh, the woman would carry this regret, this burden uh, that she experienced at the hands of uh, unscrupulous providers. So it can lead to depression, it can lead to emotional instability, it can lead to alcoholism, all because of, um, of unsafe abortion. We are told of, of, of cases where unscrupulous uh, providers give women pills um, and, and tell them that these pills must be inserted in a woman's vagina, but because the, 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 the woman's uh, fingers are too short, and the unscrupulous provider's fingers are also too short. Um, so the unscrupulous providers will use his pennies to push the pills in the uterus, which we then says, apart from the woman receiving unsafe abortion, she's also being raped at the same time. So you can imagine what that does to a woman's emotional status. Wow. Wow, doctor. I mean, uh, when you said they will use their pennies, I, you know, I, I, I got scared, um, you know, because um, the very society that will chastise a woman for seeking termination is the very, so, and, and, and the arguments that they use is normally, you know, what was she doing? Let her suffer. All, all of that is, is almost punishment. We are such a, 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 and I want to believe that it is the kind of colonial Christianity that we often subscribe to. It's, it's about making women dirty for having sex, making women dirty for falling pregnant. And, and we will discuss a case right now of a woman who also wants assistance on this matter about what to do. But when you spoke about it, I could just imagine how in our society generally and in a patriarchal society, a woman who displays agency, who says, I don't want to have a child right now for whatever reason. And clearly from a medical and, as you say, evidence-based uh, method can undertake a very safe procedure in a dignified way that respects their right because every woman has rights, is then subjected to these backstreet abortions. And in fact, one of the things that we, we realize is that Stopping or not offering abortions does not stop abortions. And we also, you know, hear of stories of because South Africa has legalized abortion, other women from neighboring countries will come into South Africa to seek an abortion. 
even if they are going to go to these backstreet abortion or unscrupulous abortion uh, because, uh, you know, they fear how they are going to be treated. And it is all to satisfy patriarchy. Is the reason medically why termination of pregnancy is discouraged, just medically? As far as I know, there is no medical reason that says a woman should not get safe termination of pregnancy. If we're talking safe termination of pregnancy, I'm not aware of any reason why a woman should not be afforded that opportunity if she has made an informed choice. Uh, as a follow-up to this question, I am aware that uh, some of the women, when coming to uh, our facilities, they would ask if they would be able to fall pregnant again. That's, that's, that's one of the questions that women uh, usually ask. And, and of course, we, we in the medical fraternity would not be able to say you will or you may not uh, fall pregnant again. But what we know is the fact that because we are using evidence-based uh, material, protocols, instruments, if one is to be unable to fall pregnant in future, termin safe termination of pregnancy may not be the cause. However, we know that with unsafe termination of pregnancy, the failure to fall pregnant in, 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 in future will definitely be one of the complications. So in a nutshell, I am not aware of any reason, medical reason, why a woman should not terminate pregnancy if she has so made the informed choice to do so. Yes, and maybe just to add, we, we all do not know that even if you did not have or seek termination of pregnancy, uh, you will have children or, or even if, you know, you have one, yeah. that you will have the other. None of us can determine that. So you are saying yeah. uh, uh, medically you can't yeah. confirm, not because of the termination, but simply because you can never, uh, you can never determine whether or not somebody is going to have children. And yeah. if they can't have children, you know, it's also an issue that can be discussed. But certainly when women go for illegal or backstreet abortions, the chances of them you know, being the procedure being so done so badly is that they could, um, it could scar them from having children medically. I mean, uh, something could happen to, the, uh, to them that they are not able to have children. Okay, yes. great. Uh, I, you know, I'm astounded that we have allowed ourselves uh, to be in the space. And I want now to um, read a case study, you know, just tell you, uh, or have a discussion with all of you to uh, advise us further. This is Gamu, who is 21 years old, who is unmarried and four weeks pregnant. She is a very intelligent uh, young woman and also very athletic, who is studying to be an aeronautical engineer, comes from a very religious and strict family. They go to church you know, she even had to convince them that she must uh, go to school because they wanted her to find a suitable husband and start a family. But uh, despite all of this upbringing, she met Temba uh, at church, a 27-year-old wonderful ma man at church. And this is a church that looks down on sex before marriage, 
you know, it's a very close church where everybody who's in that church is brother, it's sister, it's friends with each other. Marriage, sex before marriage is highly stigmatized and, and, and pregnancy before marriage even worse. But everybody, you know, supports this relationship, this courtship, you know, because, you know, these two lovely people, everybody's fantasizing about their wedding. And I can imagine the mother is already planning the wedding with their friends. So clearly she is afraid to tell everybody including Temba, about her pregnancy because of how it will just disappoint and affect everybody in church. But here she is. She's also worried about her demanding studies and her demanding a job and knows that if she was to be pregnant, she may be forced to be married. If she was forced to be married, she'll be the one that is forced to look after uh, children. She looks at all her options, she has looked at adoption, but has also understood just how difficult it is for a child to get adopted. She's also uh, looked at the option of termination of pregnancy. And she finds out that if she goes to a government facility where the procedure will be free, she will wait for three to eight weeks. And she's already 24 weeks pregnant. But if she went to a private facility, she will have to pay. But she's gathered all of this information. And two days uh, before she goes, because she chooses to use some of her food allowance that she gets from her bursary to go for a safe termination and pay for it, two days her partner Temba uh, sees the pamphlet and demands to know what is going on. Now, here are the questions, and maybe let me bring you in here, Tinyiko, because I want to know about Temba's rights in this matter. Can Kamu still proceed with the termination, even though Temba does not believe that it is not the best option? And Temba, you know, is not for this thing because it's a, it's a sin. They'd rather get married. Yes, Lebu, if Kamu decides to still want to carry on after having a conversation with Timber about her concerns um, regarding a pregnancy and why she has considered um, to terminate the pregnancy, she can continue with the pregnancy. Sorry, she can continue with the termination despite how he feels about it uh, because, you know, she has the right to make that final decision because it is her body um, after all that gets affected by the pregnancy and not Timber's body you know um, pregnancy um, is a strain on on on, on the woman um, mentally physically um, you know psychologically and everything else if you're not ready um, for that no matter what someone else says, it's it's not a good idea to continue when when you don't want to continue with this at all. Because yes, if Timber now gets to force her to continue with the pregnancy, down the line when she gets uh, postnatal depression or even prenatal depression, they're going to stigmatize her even further and see her as you know not a loving or a caring mother and all these other things um, that go with that. And even worse off is other women who get um, forced to continue with the pregnancy um, by their partners or their families, 
are either not supported in the long run or sometimes just, you know, because of the stigma around it, end up abandoning their children in hospitals because, um, well, you said that I can't, I can't, I can't you know, um, terminate this pregnancy because right to life. And so they go and they give birth and they leave the children in, their preg- in the hospitals like what is happening currently um, in many Gauteng hospitals where a lot of women have abandoned these children because they simply cannot afford to take care of them, whether it's emotionally or mentally. Timba has no rights in this instance. It's it's all about Gamu's body and what she decides to do with her body. You know, we spoke about stigma of families, etc. I've also seen how our media have sensationalized those stories. Even when a, a child or a baby or a fetus is found in a plastic, we never ask about the men. We never ask about the men. We are forever talking about this evil woman. And the only reason we are doing that is because of patriarchy. It's because, in fact, you know, and I liked the first story that we listened, the voice note that we listened to, because this particular person is basically saying, I am choosing the life that I want to live. Kamu here is saying, I am making a choice. Whereas many people, like in the voice note, 60% of children are growing up in single-headed households. Men, including influential men, men in leadership, will have 15 firstborns and only pay for firstborn number 15's maintenance because that's the woman they love and that's the family they want to have. And it's fine. It's fine. But dare a woman be desperate enough to firstly not exercise her rights and get a medical procedure, we judge, and then leave a child elsewhere, be driven to leave a child elsewhere. The woman is the witch because we we still cannot think of women as thinking beings and as people who basically can make choices. We push them into a corner with our mambo jumbo, and I'm going to say this, with with our mambo jumbo hypocritical values. And once we have done that and they are pushed in that corner, we we, we stigmatize them. Now, another question, and I'm going to ask you this question and then later follow up to Dr. Magwenju with the same question, is what rights does Temba have as the father of the fetus in this regard? That's the question to you, Diniko. And Dr. Magwenju, people including the religious conservative right have spoken about the fetus as a, as a human being and loss of life, etc. So um, I guess the question that I want you to answer is whether or not a fetus is a human being. Uh, but Tenyiko, what does what rights does Temba have as the father in this regard? Um, it's a simple answer, um, which is he has no rights uh, because he isn't technically speaking a father yet. The fetus has no legal rights. Um, It has legal rights in limited capacity. And that usually starts at like the third trimester even um, where it can be reasonably expected, um, you know, that the child um, could be born alive. But because you can never be so too certain about whether or not this pregnancy will result 
in a live birth or you know there won't be a miscarriage you can't legally speaking you know um the fetus has has very limited to no rights and um the father of a fetus has no rights um towards that child the rights are all attributed um towards the pregnant woman because she's the one who is experiencing everything and going through everything the fetus cannot reasonably live and survive without the woman so it can't it can't have rights that supersede or trump the woman so if the pregnancy poses a, a health risk whether mental or physical or psychological or anything to to the mother then the mother's rights are trump that if the if 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 the pregnancy poses a socioeconomic rights negative impact on the mother then again she she trumps over over the fetus because without the mother we can't reasonably expect the fetus to have any any sort of life um especially as you said about 60% of women are single a uh, single mothers so in a lot of cases if she wasn't ready and she doesn't have support in that structure you know should this fetus be born alive there's a high chance that it won't have anyone to take care of it which goes back to asking the question of then why are i guess to say why are men so invested in keeping you know a pregnancy sustained until birth whereas they're not as invested once you know the baby is born yeah thank you and this argument about fetus human life and all the other i do know that some organizations dr magwenju uh, that are racist white organizations mainly from the us who will even shoot at doctors who terminate pregnancies often make women look at small fetuses and in guilt to them into do you want to end this life how factual is all of that apart from just being violent to the woman yeah the the, the issue you you're raising very important um, issues here lebo um the issue of when does life begins is a debate that goes on and on and on and on and it depends where you are sitting um if you, if you are to answer this question when does life begins uh, i'm not going to try and 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 answer that question because uh, some will say life begins the minute um, a spermatozoa fertilizes an ovum then life begins or life begins when when the fetus is born so that debate um leads ultimately leads to barring a woman from accessing safe termination of pregnancy if she so chooses to uh whose life is important the woman's life supersedes the life of the fetus in an environment where the fetus and the woman are ready to give birth at a given age at a given stage then both lives are important but if the mother's life is at stake we rather save the mother's life rather than the fetus because the fetus as dinico has correctly said may not exist outside the uterine life if we then kill the mother and why then do we choose to kill both mother 
in features instead of just saving the woman's lives from unscrupulous providers. The issue of um, uh, some doctors having to expose a woman to a scan and showing the pregnant woman how the fetus in utero is doing is again a human right issue. They just want to discourage the woman from following her informed choice, which is the termination of pregnancy. Luckily, in South Africa, the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act does not stipulate that uh, women should, be, should first have a scan for them to be able to decide whether they continue the pregnancy or not. What is required in the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy is that women are, are to have information, information that is solid, that is accurate, that is non-judgmental for them to make an informed choice. And that information should not scare them out of the choice that they are going to make. Tiniko has already said that uh, according to the Act, the, 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 the only person that is entitled to give an informed consent is the very woman that is pregnant. And this woman should not be coerced to then terminate the pregnancy or not terminate the pregnancy. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said this because I think one other problem that is in the law, and I'll tell you why I object to it, is this thing that we call conscientious objection. Because in a lot of instances, particularly for poor women, women who cannot afford to pay for the service, they are denied by public health workers. And we've allowed religion to get into public health, although there is a separation of state and the church to say, I object. But they don't object to the money, by the way. You know, they don't object to receiving public health money in form of salaries. And in this case, again, Kamu has gone to a government clinic and is seen by a nurse who is against abortion. What rights, uh, and I'm asking Tiniko first and, and, and you, Dr. Makwentu, uh, does she have in this scenario? Can nurses counsel them out of abortions and refuse? When are we going to have women having a class action and, uh, against this clause that a nurse or a hospital, I've heard of in other uh, facilities where the ward and la this, the, the early this year, I hosted a abortion appreciation week for providers in the Western Cape because even the healthcare workers who provide are stigmatized by their own other nurses. How are we allowing public health, those that should know and have uh, the knowledge around this medical procedure, be demigods, not only to young women like Kamu, but to their own uh, fellow workers, where in some instances, uh, young women will talk about they'll go to the clinic and there'll be a lock in that room. And uh, they'll be told, no, it's because the management or the CEO in this facility does not believe in abortion. Don't we all go home? I mean, go to work, different beliefs, but we do the work that we do regardless of our beliefs. What is all of this, uh, Tinyeko? I mean... Can, can, is a nurse allowed to 
I know that right now they can, but both of you, please clarify this whole issue of how we have allowed nurses to be demigods in the lives of women in particular. They can do it, but they're not allowed to do it. It's, it's illegal for them to be counseling anyone out of um, any procedure that they choose to do with informed consent. Because these nurses are imputing their um, own um, beliefs onto a, a human that they, they know absolutely nothing about. You don't know why this person is seeking an abortion. You've just made assumptions as to why they're seeking an abortion and you've decided to see them as an evil person. You don't know that maybe this is a, a mother of, let's say, three who has had really bad experiences with her pregnancies and knows that, you know what, she cannot afford to have another pregnancy, you know, for health reasons. Or maybe it's um, someone who can't afford to have another child or just can't afford to have a child in general or a product of rape. You just, you don't know. So you forcing your beliefs on someone else is is wrong. It's immoral, actually. It's immoral because you're you're trying to make them feel bad about a decision that may or may not have been extremely hard for them to make. And secondly, you're playing God with their lives because you are denying them one of their most basic um, of human rights, which is constitutionally enshrined, which is the right to to primary health care, you know, and an abortion forms false part of, you know, basic and primary health care because of the vast reasons that come into play when a person decides um, that, you know what, this is the route that I want to take for for my benefit and, and for and for my um, and for my body. So, you know, if 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 the lady has the means, you know, um, and by means I don't I don't necessarily mean if, you know, um, you you have good finances, if you have if, if you're in the mental state to challenge that particular um, clinic, then you can, you know, um, go to like a law clinic or find a lawyer and, you know, or even a, 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 a public health, a health related NGO and, and, and sue and sue those nurses and sue, sue that clinic, you know, sue the director there because they are denying you a basic right. They're not going to take care of this child should this child be born. Should you die um, or, or have, um, you know, bad health risks from the result of the abortion, they're not going to take care of you um, and the baby. So you can successfully sue them uh, for denying you this this very, uh, very uh, basic right that they are denying you. Yeah, so those are your rights. Um, you can have a class action as women. And the other thing is because of these the actions of these nurses it creates a backlog in so many other institutions where they do perform um, the procedure which is why then you have a situation where Kamu says you know in um, public institutions yes I've gone there at four weeks pregnant but they're telling me that the wait could be anything between three to eight weeks you know um, instead of when you go to a private institution where it can be done on on that day it's because of these people who are holding 
South African women at a ransom and then go back to judge them for not taking care of the kids that they forced them to take care, to, to bring into this world. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Magwenju, you work with the Department of Health and I want to believe that you engage with them around the issue of nurses or, or even facility managers refusing women to get abortions and, as I said, stigmatize even other nurses who do it. What, in your experience, in your views, causes this? And how are you working with the Department of Health to make sure that this legal human rights-based medical procedure is offered to women and that we trust women once they know the information, we trust them that they will follow up and that the decision that they are making is theirs. And we don't have our own religion uh, speaking to, the, to, to them. We, we, we give the medical act and the procedure. A whole lot of things uh, are happening between uh, uh, stakeholders, IPAs, and the Department of Health, and, and of course the communities. I, I just want to remind ourselves that uh, according to the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act, the state has the responsibility to provide reproductive health to all. And, and reproductive health uh, includes safe termination of pregnancy and contraception. So as long as a woman approaches the public health facility, she is entitled to receive um, reproductive health, a, a, a reproductive health, an example, of course, being termination of pregnancy. Your next question is, um, how are we, how are we addressing this matter with the Department of Health? One of the strategies that uh, we have um, collaborated with the Department of Health um, to do away with the stigma, because all these things are clouded by stigma and it's important for all of us to demystify this uh, stigma we conduct workshops for the facilities the whole site uh, workshop and that workshop exposes the employees of a given facility on how to clarify their values the session is called Values Clarification and Attitude Transformation. In that workshop, we talk about all what we are discussing today. We talk about the woman's right to safe abortion. We talk about the constitution of South Africa and that women are entitled to being treated as human beings because they, are, they have that dignity, they have human rights, uh, that needs to be uh, respected. We talk about uh, the question that you've just asked me in the beginning, why do women terminate pregnancy? Because there are very many reasons why women terminate pregnancy. So the staff at each institution should appreciate the fact that women, unfortunately, are having or indulged or experiencing all these difficulties for them to choose to undergo safe termination of pregnancy. So we have seen that after the whole site orientation or after the values clarification workshop, the staff tend to look at uh, their values 
and appreciate the fact that if they value religion, someone else may value something else, that as individuals, we do have different values. We also then talk to managers, for managers to support the program. And the supporting of the program is making sure that the, amongst other things, budget for resources to be available. The resources could either be human resources or material resources. The human resources would then be inviting nurses that are ready to undergo training to, to be part of the training so that they then will apply, will, will offer safe termination of pregnancies. In, in instances where you only have one provider at an institution to terminate the pregnancy, the queues, of course, are too long. And, and because the queues are too long, they, in some cases, are unable to give immediate termination of pregnancy to a well-deserving client because of the number of uh, uh, women that are seeking the service. We also um, have a, 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 a relationship with community-based organizations, uh, radio stations. We don't only look at uh, facilities. Because if we create awareness uh, in communities via community-based organizations or radios for that matter, the women and girls in communities would be able to appreciate the fact that if and when they miss a, 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 a menstruation, if they miss the menstruation, they should immediately go to facilities uh, and not wait until they are four months, five months or, or six months to then come to a hospital uh, because in, in, in that uh, four months or five months uh, pregnancy period, uh, we don't have many doctors that are able or willing to terminate pregnancy during the, the second trimester. Um, we have conducted a study as, uh, as IPAS. Uh, the study is about a conscientious objection that we have alluded to. Uh, and right now we are terming it refusal to care and the study looks at uh, why are providers refusing to care or are they really refusing to care? And in, in most cases, people are refusing to care because of lack of information. They don't really understand what termination of pregnancy is all about. So when you give them information and give them skills, they then tend to appreciate that the fact that uh, it's better for a woman to receive safe uh, abortion coupled with contraception so that uh, she lives a happy life uh, thereafter with no regrets of having exposed herself to unscrupulous providers. I'm so happy, Doctor, that you are doing this because I think in the event that we had around Provider Appreciation Day, and, and I'm very happy that the MEC in the Western Cape attended and spoke to the providers around um, the issues of human rights and issues of gender and the sustainable development goals around gender and equality being one of those goals. Uh, it's goal number five, actually. Is that uh, this kind of training is important. But I'm also aware that in this country right now, we are receiving funds from the U.S., and part of the problem with those funds under the current U.S. administration is what we call the gag rule that organizations have to sign 
which simply says if you accept any funding from the United States, you are not allowed to even tell women, even if your country offers termination or termination is legal, you cannot even tell women about that. So you can't even give them the information, which for me, again, is a form of colonization and murder of people. Because here you are, you are a country, and simply because you provide funding, even in countries, and that's why I call it colonization, where it is legal, like in South Africa, when you receive this money, there is no way that you can even give women, you know, that information. How does that influence the gag rule that comes with U.S. funding under this current administration? also frustrates organizations like yourselves, you know, to, to do this work where you are working with all stakeholders to ensure that women's lives are preserved? Yes, it, it, it impacts on it uh, negatively. Um, if, um, if, if, if an organization receives funds under the gag rule, we obviously, as the IPAS, cannot uh, collaborate with them. Um, and because we can collaborate with them and not much will be done from that uh, collaboration exercise, we then will only collaborate with organizations that are pro-choice and inform women about uh, their rights to safe uh, abortion and safe uh, contraceptives. That's indeed um, a big dent in the reproductive health uh, of women. This gag rule is uh, impacting on them. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. The other question uh, that I have for you, both you, Dr. and Tineko, and let me start with you, Tineko, is around the age at which a woman can seek uh, termination. So, for an example, if Kamu was under 16, would she still be allowed to get uh, termination without her parents present? And I know that this causes a lot of uproar as well around why are we allowing children to do uh, or seek termination without parental approval? What does the law say? And also to you, doctor, why is the law the way that it is? Yeah, Lebu. So in terms of the law, um, yes, any woman who falls pregnant, and this includes anyone under the age of 16, um, can go and get um, an abortion. Um, without assistance um, from their parents or guardians. Um, it does state that they should have a conversation because they, 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 they're counseled to have a conversation with their parents um, regarding getting the termination, but that conversation is not forced on them. And also, you know, there's, there's no um, written consent that they need to prove that, yes, they did speak to their parents. And this is so as to protect those minors because you don't know what home situation they come from. Some of them might have severely strict parents who, if they found out about this, you know, um, it might be a danger to those kids' lives. Or, you know, parents who will insist that they keep that child, even though the child knows that, you know, they're not ready um, to take on this responsibility because specifically because they still are a child. So the law definitely 
you know, protects children in that, you know, as long as that child has made enough informed consent um, with all the information available to them and they decide that this is the route that they want to take, then yes, um, they can have that abortion. But also just speaking on the the gag rules um, from America, it really is just um, a form of infantilization of women, not necessarily, you know, taking away women's rights. It's 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 a form of controlling women from whatever society you're in, you know. So that colonization is just men in America saying that we're not only going to control the lives of American women, we'll also control the lives of women in other countries that we are funding because clearly women can't make the right decisions um, independently um, about their bodies and about what they want to do with, you know, their lives and their health going forward. So we'll force those decisions uh, upon them, whether or not we take responsibility um, for the result of those decisions is neither here nor there. As long as we have preserved um, this perceived life that we're pretending to care about, but ultimately when it's born, we don't even care about whether or not it has milk for the next week. Yeah, Doc, I mean, this issue, many, many people who speak about it, really, when you start saying children, and my understanding is that from 12 can, uh, I'm not too sure, you'll clarify for me, 12 or 14 can go to and, and seek um, termination without parental consent. They, firstly, you are talking about termination of pregnancy. You are already the son or daughter of the devil. You say children from 12 or 14 can do it without parental consent. Then you are the devil yourself. From your sense around children, what is the rationale? If there's anything to add to what Tinyuko have said, how do you work with different providers to understand why the policy or the law is the way that it is? Let me add on what Tinyuko has said, one of them being that um, the, the, okay, let me first define the minor according to the CTOP Act. A minor is a female person of uh, 18 years and below. Um, so anybody 18 years and below is entitled to terminate their own pregnancy. I mean, to, no, not to terminate their own pregnancy, to sign their own informed consent. Um, because the act again defies a woman as a female person of any age. So this 18 years and below would then be regarded as a woman. And because she's a woman, she then is entitled to enjoy the rights of uh, women as a as, as, as indicated in the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act. Um, this very 18-year-old, who then, of course, is a minor, signs a minor's consent form. Um, and the minor's consent form, as Tiniko has correctly said, that they are advised to consult with the parents, uh, the friends, the guardians, any significant other that they are comfortable sharing this decision with. And that significant other, be it a parent or a friend, is of course just there to support them, not to sign their consent form. Because the consent form must be signed by the woman, the pregnant woman. That's the age factor. 
And just to say that uh, in, 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 in my experience, some parents label do bring their teenage daughters to facilities insisting or coercing them to undergo an abortion. And that is, of course, against the law. The choice must be that of the pregnant woman. So these parents who are then ashamed to be judged by communities that their teenage daughter fell pregnant. So instead of facing the community, they rather acquire the, 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 the teenage girl to then have a, a safe abortion. And in that case, even though it may be safe, if the woman is not ready, is not comfortable with the idea of terminating pregnancy, that action will cause them mental challenges, mental dilemmas, because it was not their choice. Um, you asked why, 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 is the, why is the act structured in this way? The act, of course, is trying to protect both the teenager and any other pregnant woman. If the act was to say that uh, teenagers or minors must have consent from their parents, then we would have drama. Because how many, how many fatherless or parentless teenagers do we have? Some teenagers don't have parents. So if we insist they bring their parents, where are they going to get the parents from? Number two, um, some teenagers are raped by their very parents. So if a father molests a daughter, how do we then expect that father to bring the, the daughter to the institution and sign her consent for termination of pregnancy? Some parents' uh, values and religious beliefs differ completely from the values of the, of the young girl. So all these various factors wanted to safeguard the well-being of the teenagers. Because if we then, if the law then says the parents or the significant others must sign a consent, then what are we doing? We will then be creating a market for the unscrupulous providers. Because the young girl would safely go to unscrupulous providers since unscrupulous providers do not need the consent of the parents for a young girl to undergo safe abortion. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I think that that explanation is important. And each time you and Diniko speak, I'm thinking human rights, human rights, human rights. rights. Mm. And, and I think for me, it is the whole issue of women's rights are human rights. Yes. And maybe yes. to even start by saying, because this society seems to need that reminder, women are human. Yes. Because when you look at gender-based violence, the way we treat women, the way we stigmatize women, patriarchy suggests that uh, women are not human. So mm -hmm. we need to say it very slowly that, attention everyone, women are human. Yes. And women, because they are human, they deserve human rights that are enshrined in the constitution and the law, even the termination of pregnancy act ensures that women enjoy their rights. We don't stigmatize people who go into 
um, hospitals for any other medical procedure except this one. We are talking of a medical procedure. We don't say, in my beliefs, obesity is wrong. So when you come in and you've got what we call lifestyle illnesses, I'll refuse them because I believe that you should have eaten healthy. We treat women, I mean, those people with the dignity they deserve. So if we stop controlling women's bodies, we will recognize that women are human and humans have human rights. I think it, for me, listening to both of you, to that. But in conclusion, and one of the, of, the, of the issues that Kamo is raising is the fact that her biggest problem was that she was four weeks pe pregnant. If she had discovered her pregnancy at 24 weeks, uh, would she still be allowed to terminate? What does the law say? When can you, uh, and, and when is it medically safe to terminate? And when would you, unfortunately, you know, not terminate? When would it be unsafe to do so? Okay. All right. The circumstances and conditions, the, the, the act spells out the circumstances and conditions under which termination of pregnancy can be terminated. Uh, the CTOP Act um, uh, uh, alludes to the fact that within the first 12 weeks, a woman has a right to terminate her pregnancy without giving any reason. As long as she requests for a pregnancy to be terminated, then that pregnancy may be terminated. And this pregnancy may be terminated by either a registered nurse, a registered midwife, or a medical practitioner. This is the first 12 weeks. However, from the 13th up to and including the 20th week of gestation period, if a medical practitioner, after consultation with a pregnant woman, is of the opinion that any of the four factors that uh, Kamu and I have already alluded to are present, then a medical practitioner can terminate their pregnancy. The first one we refer to a, a physical or mental health. Um, if the continued pregnancy would have an injury on the physical or mental health of the woman. Or if there exists a substantial risk that the fetus would suffer from severe physical or mental abnormality. That's number two. Number three is if the pregnancy is resulted from rape or incest. Um, and a woman, of course, does not have to prove that uh, she fell pregnant out of rape. The medical practitioner must just be of the opinion. And the last one, which is the fourth one, is that if she continues with the pregnancy, it would have um, affect the social, socioeconomic uh, status of the woman. So those are the four circumstances that a doctor would then have an opinion after consulting with the woman. And if, she, he, if the doctor has an opinion, he or she may then agree to terminate the pregnancy. This is called second trimester abortion, which is a huge, huge, huge problem in South Africa. We do not have many uh, doctors that are willing to terminate the pregnancy in the second trimester uh, of, uh, of pregnancy. Uh, and as such, the women who report late 
for termination of pregnancy end up being victims of uh, unscrupulous providers. Um, and as such, they... Dr. Magwenju, yes. before you continue, why would doctors not be willing? Well, the doctors, the doctor must be of an opinion. If, 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 so if he's not of the opinion that this circumstance, if, if, for instance, a, a woman comes as, uh, after 13 weeks and says I was raped, and the, the doctor is not of the opinion that indeed um, uh, the woman was raped, um, so he's not going to terminate it. Uh, it's, it's a tricky situation. The second trimester abortion is in the hands of uh, doctors. Um, the act, although, um, says that if the doctor is not uh, willing or available or not of the opinion to terminate the pregnancy, then he or she must refer, her, must refer the woman to the nearest facility where this pregnancy can, can be terminated. So it's quite a tricky one. Um, so in I mean, we would like to let the community be aware of these circumstances. If they miss a period, they immediately report to a facility, whether they are pregnant or not pregnant. As long as she has missed a period, she must then report to the facility. And we also want to strengthen our contraceptive services so that women have access to safe contraceptive services and use those contraceptives of their choice to prevent unwanted pregnancy. And as parents, we also, as parents and communities, we also should look into sexuality education, talking about sex with our significant others so that they understand how um, pregnancy can occur and what the repercussions of having an unwanted pregnancy can be. You know, when you started talking about the first trimester and second trimester, I was like, yay, yay, I love our law. It's very progressive. And then you put it in the hands of a doctor <laughs> who yeah. may themselves, uh, you know, have their own opinions. And if you say, if, if, if a doctor is of the opinion that a woman is not raped, I think of many women who go and report rape and they are not believed. That's yeah. when my own uh, feelings, you know, uh, I was like, oh my goodness, when I thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel, it looks like it's, a tr it's an oncoming train. Women are never believed when they say they are raped. <laughs> you know? So again, your training in human rights is important, but it looks like we have created, because there's power relations. If I'm 16, yeah. I am 18, I am 20, I am poor, or I am just a woman. I don't even have to be poor. And I'm facing a doctor who themselves may be going to some church. Some doctors are even pastors, <laughs> you know? My yes. my exercising my right depends on whether or not they are of the opinion that I'm raped. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. are sending me to the backstreet abortion. You are sending me to the yeah. man that is going to use a hanger or his own pennies to, to do, yeah. you know, whatever it is. What is your advocacy around this matter? Because it's clearly a loophole, as you say, the problem. Yeah. Yeah, so doctors aren't um, allowed really to turn you um, away without really valid reasons because that is unfair and denying you um, your basic rights to um, reproductive health care and bodily autonomy. If they feel that they cannot perform this procedure, they shouldn't let you undergo 
um, that entire process um, where they try to figure out if, you know, you qualify to have an abortion at that point in time. But rather they should be sending you to another another um, healthcare professional that they know who does perform these abortions so that you can get the help um, that you deserve. And if they don't want to give you the help, um, then you most certainly can sue that doctor because that doctor is forcing a decision that you do not want on you without even um, trying to understand your circumstances and your situations. You can't, honestly, you cannot, um, when I come to you and say, I have been raped and I don't want to have this child because this child is a product of a rape, you cannot look at me in the eye and say, I know you're lying, you were not raped. Because if you deny me this this abortion, you're not the one who's going to have to deal with looking um, at your violator's baby, you know, every day and having to deal with raising that child. So it's not just denying them, you know, an abortion. You're denying them um, proper health care because in the long run, they're going to have so many other issues, you know. And also, you know, for the other reasons that are listed, such as, you know, your socioeconomic reasons, the doctors can't tell you that, you know, God will provide because how do they know that God will provide and why? And if you if you were to ask them just a basic question of why hasn't then God provided for so many other people? would they then have that response? You know, this is what leads to so many kids being abandoned. You know, the fact that people are denying um, women the right to make an informed decision, you know, on their bodies and on their health and on their lives ultimately, because giving birth results in you having to change your life a little, you know, because now you have to raise another person, whether with a partner or without a partner. This is still something that you now have to do, which means you have to change your life. So they really aren't allowed and women really can seek legal recourse in these situations and some have successfully, you know, um, sued the doctors who have, you know, essentially forced um, a decision on them that they 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 didn't want to make because of their own beliefs, you know. So we can't say that um, because the right to religion and the right to healthcare are both um, protected in the constitution that they're both judged equally. They're not weighted equally because the right to healthcare is a more basic and fundamental right, which supersedes um, the right to religion. So you can't force your beliefs on anyone, but you can practice your beliefs. But you also can't in the same breath deny anyone healthcare because that's basic and a need for a person to live their life, you know, to their fullest potential and something that the government has to provide for every citizen. And also just the stigma around abortions doesn't even really make that much sense, considering that there are so many um, pre-colonial societies, and we can even go back, go as far back as ancient societies that have been, um, you know, performing 
these procedures, you know, through herbal remedies, um, you know, through other less invasive procedures um, for various reasons, you know, such as um, population control or, you know, socioeconomic status of, of the woman or, you know, maybe through, because the child is a product of incest. There's so many reasons that women have been having abortions for many years so and for many centuries. So it's not justified that um, because of how, you know, religion and culture have recently been interpreted, that this must be forced on women. Because fact of the matter is, despite the stigma and whether or not it's legal, um, women still seek out abortions and they still do them, which is why some go to, you know, the unsafe ones, which we're trying to, you know, limit that number by providing um, safer and legalizing them, providing safer routes by legalizing them, because women will always seek this out. You cannot force a person to have a baby when they're not ready to have a baby. You know, we could spend the whole day here speaking about this. And Dineko, um, I hear you when you are saying people have successfully sued, um, you know, doctors. But I'm sure it's one out of a million. Many will walk out of that facility and they are going to look at the next street pole or they are going to call a friend and they are going to go to places where they can get that service. If I wanted a pregnant I'm not going to think about, okay, have the baby and then thereafter launch a big legal case. <laughs> you know, I would, uh, somebody must give me somebody's number and I'm going to find myself there, you know. And I guess, Dr. Mabwenchu, that's part of what your work is around the of making sure that yeah. everybody understands women's rights as human rights. Yes. Any concluding remarks, Dr. Magwenju? Oh, we've covered so much, eh, Lebo? The concluding remarks to the communities and to everybody else that, uh, as Lebo, you emphasize that uh, women's rights are human rights. So let's stop stigmatizing the women and girls that seek safe termination of pregnancy. Because if we continue to stigmatize against them, they will, of course, continue to be vulnerable to the services of, of unscrupulous providers and end up um, losing their lives and, and suffering innumerable complications. Thank you. Wow. Dineko, Dr. Magwenchu, it's been an amazing session uh, of speaking of an issue that I feel is very close to my heart. One example of how simply because you are a woman, you could suffer a lot of stigma from society to even the medical profession. And uh, well done to both of you for the work that you do in advocating for, for, for women. Apart from um, you know, uh, making sure that women uh, uh, get the medical procedure that they deserve. Uh, I'm also happy to hear that there is a lot of advocacy um, that goes with uh, uh, speaking and empowering uh, all service providers. And I hope with this podcast, we will also be helping to provide the information to our society because I think we all need to play our part in making sure that women's rights are 
um, respected and upheld, but also that we don't lose lives when our law is very clear. And I'm very happy that despite these challenges to the application of the law, our law is forward thinking, our law is progressive, our laws uh, respect women's rights. Ours is to use the law as an instrument to advocate for every woman to have access to the services that they require. On that note, I would like to thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, Lebo. Thank you very, very much for inviting us and uh, putting this very important topic on the agenda. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks, um, Lebu and Dr. Magwentu. Um, this was a nice, lovely recording. Um, goodbye. And yeah, I hope more people delve into the subject and are free to um, own their bodies and, you know, fight for their reproductive rights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tiny. Like always. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of the Soul City Institute for Social Justice.